Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. Our past few episodes have been a little bit heavy, Mm -hmm. so this time we are going to lighten it up and talk about lifestyle vacations. I love it. (laughs) A lot of people reach out and ask us, how do I get my reluctant partner to consider joining this lifestyle? And the number one answer I give is take them on a lifestyle vacation, because who doesn't love to go on vacation? There are many advantages to a lifestyle vacation. One is the luxury of time. So if you think, hey, take them to a sex club, well, everything at a sex club happens in a three to four hour window, and it's like giddy up time when you walk through the door. No pressure. And Yeah, maybe that works for some people. They find it motivating. Certainly not for me and certainly not for someone who's feeling any kind of hesitation. It's not going to be a good thing. So I love the idea of being at a place for many days, for seeing people in this situation and that situation and having a conversation that doesn't have a strict time limit on it. but It doesn't have pounding bass under it. Oh, and it doesn't have pounding bass under it, although... All the resorts have their share of pounding base too, but you can get away from it. And that's the key thing, which you often can't at a club. So I think when you can be in an environment where you can just take your time, it's going to help people a lot more. Right. And we recognize that going to a five-star vacation place in the Caribbean is maybe not accessible for everyone, whether that's because you don't have the time away from work or the babysitting or the budget to afford these places. That is a privilege that we have, um, and not everyone has that privilege. But we are here to tell you that there are lots of options available to you in all kinds of price points and all kinds of time commitments. Yes. So we're going to cover them all in this episode. But in the first segment, I want to talk about the two 800-pound gorillas in this particular room, (laughs) which are Hedo and Desire. So just to be clear, when we talk about Hedo, when you hear people saying Hedo, they're talking about Hedonism 2, a resort in Negril, Jamaica. And when they talk about Desire, they're talking about one of Desire RM, or Desire Pearl. They're very close to each other. They're in the Cancun area. They have differences, but for the purpose of this discussion, we're grouping them under the heading of Desire Resorts. So we're going to put Hedo in the ring against Desire. And after we do that, we're going to talk about a few of the other options that are out there. One of the things I want to point out before we dive in is that We are talking about our own personal experiences here. We did not survey thousands of people who have been to each resort. So those resorts, of course, change week to week with the people who are there, with different policies that are implemented or discontinued. So ours is a very subjective take based on the very specific times that we've been there. So please keep that in mind, especially if you're listening and going, what? That's not what I saw at all. 
well, it may have been different the week that you were there. And we have no affiliation with either of these resorts. Right. So we are being completely objective as far as, as far as our experience of our time there. Right. Okay, so let's dive in. What we've decided to do is break down the comparison by a number of different categories and talk about each resort in relation to how it measures up. Okay. So category one is the weather. We all know, especially Canadians, if you're going away to a resort, you want it to be warm. You are there number one for the sun and the sand and the sea. Yeah, because you know what? They don't give you your money back if it rains all week or if it's cold or a hurricane blows in. So you really want to know what is my best guarantee of great weather. Right. So we have been to hedonism 11 times. And when we go in the summer during the rainy season, there's a very predictable window in the afternoon where it rains for one to three hours. And you can see those clouds coming in from a long way off. And it's pretty predictable. So that is prime nap time. Or prime afternoon delight time. Yes. Or a combo of or the a two, combo, which is yes. my favorite. Yes. Um, <laughs> But um, at Desire in Mexico, the weather is a little bit less reliable. Yes, I would agree with that. On our very first trip there, we were at the airport and it felt like we were in the middle of a hurricane. Like we had an umbrella. We had somehow remembered to bring an umbrella with us. And it was in danger of breaking because it was that windy. The rain was pelting down and it was just not a good introduction. So listen, we're from Canada, as Kate <laughs> mentioned. Like, we know bad weather. Desire is orders of magnitude better than the weather we're used to. But because we're comparing desire to hedonism, I really think that there is a difference, and the difference is in Hedo's favor. Right. So you're much more likely to get cool weather, rainy and windy weather in Mexico than you are in Negril, Jamaica. But it's still very dependably hot. Right. So in this category, point goes to Hedo, best weather. Right. The next category is service. So service is a umbrella term for a lot of different dimensions of your visit, from how the rooms are cleaned to how the food is prepared and served to how helpful are the staff when you encounter a problem, all kinds of things. So I'd say that Mexico and Desire maybe edge ahead a little bit in this category because the staff are very attentive and very polite and very quick to help you, but they do encourage tips. And so that's one of the things that you don't encounter at Hedonism, but it can be a good thing. So there was definitely a, an improvement in service at Desire when at the pool the first day, you slipped the pool attendant to 20 and every day we came back, he had our pool chairs ready for us. Um, so that was one case where tipping actually worked in our favor. Yeah, although I got to say, anytime a sentence starts with you slipped, and then any denomination to someone, I just feel like it has kind of elitist overtones yeah. to it. And also, this is me having grown up as the son of a truck driver. Anytime I feel like the rich people know that's what you do, and I have no idea because I was not exposed to that in my childhood, I feel a kind of resentment that's not actually a class resentment. It's almost like a discomfort with a particular kind of privilege, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. And at Hedo, 
you are all on equal ground because right. when you go to get a lounge chair on the beach there, it's every man for himself. So you've got to grab yourself a chair and haul it over to the place you want it. Once in a while, someone will come help you, but it's certainly not reliable. The service is a little more laid back at Hedo, which I actually like.、Mm-hmm. I like to feel like the people are enjoying their job. They're not stressed out and worried about your displeasure. I like to see them having fun. At the Hedo bar, you're going to see the bartenders laughing and joking and you know, playing around with the customers. So I like that level of informality and comfort,、um, but they're probably a little more prompt at desire. Right. There is another dimension too, and that was totally unexpected to us, which is they latched on to us at the moment we signed into the resort、mm. to sell us some kind of, not a timeshare, But some kind of club membership. At Desire. At Desire. And it was the most ridiculous product offering I've ever heard. <laughs> like, I have an MBA. And what they were proposing in terms of, well, you can get a, a discount on all of your travel. And if you come just this number of times per year, you're going to save this percent. But if it's more, you'll save another percent. I thought, I'm going to have to create a spreadsheet. And then I remembered a very important principle, and that is any transaction that requires a spreadsheet to understand never works in favor of the consumer. It's <laughs>、right. always working in favor of the seller. It's, it's the bamboozlum factor.、Right. And we knew. In advance, that they were going to do this timeshare pressure thing. And we resolved to not give in to the pressure, but guess what? We caved. Yeah. And why? Because the guy who met us at the front desk said, It'll be a lot better for me if you just go to the one hour presentation. And like, my starving children need this. Yeah, he didn't say that, <laughs> but it was implied. And You know, as a first worlder visiting a non first world country, you feel a lot of guilt. You think, oh, the least we can do is help him and his family. But it was not a one hour presentation. When we went, it was like two and a half hours yeah, of close really to hours. hard sell. Yeah. And then they wanted you to come back at the end of that three hour hard sell. To try and sell you again when we couldn't break away. I mean, you're paying to be there. You do not want to spend three hours in a high pressure sales situation. So that was a big knock against desire for us. Right. So I think in the category of service, we'd have to say that although desire pays so much attention and does a great job on multiple levels, because of the presentation for the timeshare and because of the Tipping and the discomforts around that, we're going to give the edge to Hedo. Yeah. And the people at Hedo are just awesome. Sure.、They、the people to... at Desire are awesome. Right. I just feel like there's, there's more of a, like, they want to get to know you, they want to learn your name and、um, kind of be your friend sort of thing, where there's a distance between the people on staff at Desire and the guests. Right.、Um, so I guess it's really what are you most comfortable with? And sure. I like to feel. Like a kinship with the people who are working at the, at the resort that I love. Right. Okay. So the score for those of you keeping track at home is、mm-hmm. Hedo 2 Desire 0 at this point. Dum dum dum. The third category is the property. And we're talking really about the grounds and the rooms. Yeah. So I was a little surprised because we started by、um, being devout Hedo fans. So、mm-hmm. we went to Hedonism 10 times in a row before we ever even tried Desire because we loved it so much. And I had heard that Desire was more upscale. So when I went there for the first time, I was a little surprised 
by the rooms. They were certainly not as upscale as I was led to believe. Right. And I think that has a lot to do with something hedonism has struggled with over the years. And that is, there was a time when that resort was not well looked after. There was not a lot of investment. And people formed opinions about it based on those experiences. But that's now maybe 10 years in the past. They have done a lot of work in creating some beautiful rooms there and certainly refreshing all of the rooms in terms of the decor and how they're outfitted. Now, our philosophy when we travel is to just get the basic room because ultimately you just sleep and fuck there and the rest of your time is spent on the grounds of the resort. Yeah, the beach is the beach no matter how much you paid. Right. But one point in favor of desire is if you are the kind of person who likes to pay up for a better room, you have a lot more options than you have at Hedonism. So at Desire, you can get a penthouse suite, you can get a villa, you can get a mansion even. Um, So there are lots of options for the people who want to spend more money. But these resorts are already expensive. So you've got to have some big bucks in order to do that. So the other aspect of the property is just the grounds themselves. And... I have to give Hito a bit of an edge on that one because it's a more expansive, open property. Mm -hmm. Desire is more crowded, not uncomfortably so, but there is just less room to spread out, less variety in the spaces you can choose to occupy during the course of the day. There are so many plunge pools at Hito, for example, Mm -hmm. and day beds scattered in all kinds of different locations, depending on what you're feeling. So again, like all of these categories, Desire is really good. But Hedo is, in my opinion, just a bit better. One of the things I like about Hedo is there's a lot of green space. So because they have a a much longer property with more beachfront, there's more room between the buildings. And they've worked in little gardens and, you know, hammocks and, as you said, beach beds. So there are lots of little places where you can just decompress and have a quiet afternoon together if you need to reconnect. So in the category of property, Hedo is the winner. So you can't talk about property without talking about the beach. Oh, yeah. And for me, again, Hito is the clear winner here. In Mexico, they've struggled to control the seaweed that is constantly washing ashore because it's windy and you're right on a a big ocean. Whereas at Desire, you're in a cove at Seven Mile Beach in Negril and it's always calm. The water is always warm and there's a little bit of seaweed, but they are super fastidious about keeping that beach clean. And the beach is much more a central part of the experience at Hedonism than Desire. People just don't go to the beach very much in Desire because it's not a great place to be. Yes, so we can probably make this part very short. If you are into having an amazing beach experience, Hedonism is the place to be. I'd also want to add that because it's in a quiet cove, um, you can do other things. Like I love to go out and kayak. They have catamaran cruises where you can jump out in the middle of the cove and do some snorkeling on a reef. And so those things are not really available in Mexico just because the water is way more rough and you'll get sick. Um, So those kinds of water sports are far better at hedonism than you'll ever get at Desire. Right. So when it comes to the beach and the waterfront, we're going to declare again in this category that hedonism is the winner over Desire. 100%. The next category is pools and hot tubs, also related to the property, but a kind of 
dimension that deserves to be addressed on its own. Yeah. So at Desire, the pool is the center of the activity. And um, their pools, both at RM and Pearl, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So they're they're nice and big. There's lots of chairs and, you know, the area is very clean. And that's where people gather. Everybody is there. Whereas at Hedonism, it's a little more spread out. Right. Probably, you know, three quarters of the people spend their day by the ocean mm-hmm. and um, another quarter hang out by the pool, which is a smaller area at Hedonism. If we're talking about the nude pool where most people spend their time. So it's probably worth pointing out there is in Hedonism, which there is not at Desire, a nude side and what gets called a prude side. And there is a pretty sharp border between the two so that you know if you're in one area, you can feel free to keep clothing on if you feel comfortable. On the nude side, you must be nude. And someone will come by and tell you to take off those bottoms if they see you Mm-hmm. even partially dressed. Which is different from Desire, where it's clothing optional. Mm-hmm. So you will see some naked people by the pool, mm-hmm. but for sure, there are a lot of people who don't get fully nude. Um, so this one, the point really goes with, you know, whatever you're most comfortable with as far as the nude and prude situation. I like it at Hedo where everyone must be naked in the same space um, because it prevents lurkers. You're not going to have people who are just there to watch other people get naked. Everyone's got to participate in the nudity, which makes it for me feel a little more comfortable. Right. But if we're talking about pools and hot tubs as a separate category, I would say the pools at Desire are better than those at hedonism. Yeah, for sure. And another big point in favor of the pools and especially the hot tubs at Desire is both hot tubs, both at Pearl and RM, have beach beds around them where you can have sex. So as we'll talk about later, they don't have great playrooms at Desire, but this is their answer to the playroom. They have these beds and you can have sex there. And at night when it's, you know, the stars are out and you've got the breeze from the ocean, it's actually a lovely place to have sex. Okay, so this is probably the time when we want to talk about playrooms because that's a category that deserves to be addressed separately. And as you alluded, there is really no comparison. Right. The playrooms at Desire, now I'm thinking at Desire Pearl, it's exceedingly small. It's like your parents' den, kind of. It's like a walk-in closet off the disco. Yeah. We didn't even know about it the first time we were there. Right. Okay, so that's Pearl, but what about at RM? What's the playroom like there? I forget. Well, we've been there two or three times. I don't think we've ever even been to a playroom. Oh, okay. So maybe that tells you everything you need to know. (laughs) Right. Um, Because at Hedonism, it is a standout feature of the resort. And this is something that got upgraded. It was not great five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, but they've taken their spa area and at night have turned it into a beautiful open air playroom with a fully outfitted dungeon adjacent to a large open space where there are mattresses around the floor. And I remember the first time I was in there, I thought I was in a room with a ceiling. Mm. And then I'm laying back, and in this case, I was receiving oral sex, and I look up, and there's the stars. It was like a magical moment, and it's just a beautiful space. They have pools and interesting lighting, and so 
it's really great. And it's a much bigger space. Mm -hmm. So we really like the option of having a playroom rather than having to have people back to your room. Again, because we don't get the upgraded rooms. Um, So going to the playroom at Hedonism is a really low-key, nice way to connect with people. You can say, we're going to the playrooms. Feel free to join us. And it's less pressury than come back to our room with us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful location at Hedonism. So far and away, Hedo wins over Desire in the playroom category. Right. So now to get back to traditional categories that people use to rate a vacation resort, food. Mm -hmm. Food is so important Especially on a vacation, it becomes kind of like an organizing principle for the day. What are we doing for breakfast? What are we doing for lunch? What are we doing for dinner? Right. And I am an enormous fan of Jamaican food. So Mm. for me, it is not a lifestyle vacation until I am naked on the beach eating my jerk chicken. Right. Um, But obviously, they don't offer jerk chicken in Mexico. (laughs) No, not that I noticed. (laughs) But the food at Desire is excellent. They've got two different buffet areas, one for breakfast, one for lunch. They're both fantastic. They also offer an outdoor grill option that's different every day by the pool. And they've got two different restaurants that you can make reservations for. So you've got several different options and the food has been quite good on all of our visits at Desire. You know, Hedonism also has two restaurants where you can make reservations. And while they're good, I would agree with you that they're not as good as the two restaurants at Desire. And I would say the buffets, I would call a draw. Would you? Um, Yeah, I guess at Hedonism, you've got the morning omelet station and the evening pasta station, which tend to be pretty popular options. Mm -hmm. You don't have those options all the time at Desire. Things kind of cycle through. So you've got the consistency of having those things at Hedo. And you know what I love at Hedo? What? After sex, the fried chicken. Oh. Oh, God. The fried chicken is so good. Right. And your late night options at Desire are tacos, which, you know, you'd think in Mexico the tacos would be amazing. I was not super impressed by the tacos. Right. Look at you. I know. And everyone (laughs) brags about the late night pizza at Desire. It's okay. It's just okay. But I would take the fried chicken. Again, just a preference. So it's kind of a toss-up depending on what you respond to if you want to have Kate's jerk chicken experience on the beach, well, you can only do that at Hedo. If you want quality, higher-end dining, you're going to like Desire. So, And I the think steakhouse as, at Desire is quite good, and that's your, that's your bag, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think we're going to give it to Desire on this one in terms of food. So, you know, you were talking about what kind of food you can get at 3 in the morning, whether you prefer tacos or fried chicken. But we jumped over a whole important aspect of these vacations, which is what do you do in the evening? So that brings us to the topic of entertainment. Yes. So at Hedonism, the entertainers there are people who work at the resort all day. So they're part of the entertainment staff who lead the games at the pool in the afternoon. They're the same people who are on stage dancing and singing in the evening. So I like that you get to kind of see these people in different settings and have conversations with them. And they are amazingly talented, hardworking kids, basically, who are up there doing the work all day long. And um, I have an enormous amount of respect for them. 
And the shows they put on at night are spectacular. Yeah, and very ambitious. Yeah. And a big bonus is that there is a stage in the dining hall. So everyone gathers, whether they've been to one of the two restaurants or have eaten in the dining hall, everyone gathers around that stage after dinner. And it's a comfortable place to sit and watch the show. And they put on such great shows every night. And this is probably the point at which I want to address an issue that I don't hear talked about enough, but it really hit me hard on this last visit. I was sitting there watching the show, and you know what I was watching? I was watching beautiful, young, black people, hardly dressed, working so hard to entertain a largely white audience. And I just, I don't know why I hadn't tuned into that on the previous trips, but I thought, wow, this is a little uncomfortable to think about because you can layer on top of that a class distinction. This is poorer people working hard to present a very sexualized image of themselves to wealthier people. Now, I have to say, I looked around, it's hedonism. There are black people in the audience too. So it's not a total racial divide, but that is a dimension of what you're experiencing when you're at hedonism. Yeah, and that's a reality, unfortunately, that you're going to face anywhere you go in the Caribbean or in Mexico. You're almost always going to have wealthy tourists who are there being served by less wealthy people who are in the service industry. And that's just an unfortunate fact of of life. But obviously, the money that's brought in by tourism is an important part of their economy. But yeah, it's definitely something that you're very aware of, especially because we see this so often in lifestyle spaces where the guests are largely white. And I would love to see more diversity in all lifestyle spaces. Um, this is something that Black and Kinky recently addressed on their podcast about desire. Yes. And the reasons why you don't find more Black guests at resorts like this. So I think it's something to be aware of. But yeah, it's it's obviously something that was a little bit uncomfortable for you that night. And rightly so. Well, I, I think of it as an awareness thing. And, you know, listening to the Black and Kinky podcast... They're talking about the promotional material for mm-hmm. Desire, saying if they'd encountered that, which is so overwhelmingly white, they just would have said pass right away if they hadn't heard about Desire from other podcasters. And you know what? I looked at that promotional material before, and guess what? I didn't notice how white it was. Right. So I think that feeling that I had watching the entertainment at Hedo, and now this new sensitivity that I heard about on the Black and Kinky podcast and I'm embarrassed to say that I hadn't noticed before, I'm just bringing it up because I want to tune into that more, that reality, because that's not at all the world that I want to be involved in. Right. But white privilege is real and we experience it and benefit from it every day. So being aware of it is is an important step in our uh, awareness, right? Um, But in terms of the, so now that we're on this topic, um, the diversity Mm -hmm. of the guests at the two resorts, I would say hedonism is better. You see more um, non-white faces at hedonism than you would at desire, for sure. So we've been talking about the shows at Hedonism, but there is more to it than just the after-dinner entertainment. Right. After the show at Hedonism, all the guests tend to head toward the piano bar. So they've got someone in there who plays the piano, and it's kind of like a 
not exactly karaoke, but kind of along those lines. So you've got a live person who you can request a song from. And if you want to get up there and take the mic, you can. And mm-hmm. he'll sing along with you so you're not completely embarrassed. Right. Um, so it's kind of a fun time. It's a little bit hokey. Right, which um, I think is part of the charm. You see a lot charm. of sweet Caroline, bop, 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 right? Like yeah. <laughs> kind of bullshit. So we don't love it, but a lot of people do. Yeah, it is definitely a highlight for a lot of people. And we should talk about Desire because there is an entertainment program at Desire too. Yeah, and they bring in entertainers every night. So right. you're not going to see these people around the pool during the day like you will at Hedonism. Um, they bring in professional entertainers that have kind of a, a different theme every night. And they are top quality. Right. Yes. No, we've been super impressed. But when it comes to entertainment, nothing can beat what the staff puts together at Hedonism. Right. And comfort, as far as observing the show, is just not their desire. They kind of do it in the central courtyard area in front of the main bar. And there's nowhere to sit. So everyone is just standing around, quite often in costumes and heels, watching this show. And it's not very comfortable for the observers. Right. So I think for that and a lot of other reasons, we have to give the nod to hedonism in terms of entertainment. Right. But the other part of entertainment where desire clearly wins is the disco. Yes. And I've treated that as a separate category because... It's important. Dancing is something that people often don't get a chance to do much in their day-to-day lives if they've got kids and other responsibilities. Vacation is a time when you can do that. And it's a good form of foreplay. Yes. And a good form of exercise because you might not be getting much else (laughs) while you're there. That's actually a good thing we didn't mention. These places both have very good gyms. That's true. But I would say Hedo wins in the gym category as well. They've got more equipment there. It's not as new, um, but there's a greater variety of equipment there. Yeah, although having said that, the Desire Gym is really nice. Like They've clearly invested in it lately, and this is talking about the gym at RM, which we're more immediately familiar with. And I was able to do my complete full-body workout with no limitations there. So it's good, but I agree with you. I agree with you that Hedonism is better outfitted in terms of the variety of equipment available. And they have classes. They offer spinning classes and yoga classes, and that's something you're just not going to get at Desire. Right. So back to the disco. Back to the disco. (laughs) Yes. At Hedonism, it is a sad, sad place in the disco. Nobody ever goes there. You've always got the pounding bass until 4 a.m., so don't get a room near the disco if you can avoid it. But no one is in there dancing. Right. I mentioned earlier that I have an MBA, and I think... The case of the disco at Hedonism would make a fabulous Harvard Business Review case study (laughs) because they've got a beautiful space for it. It's conveniently located. The music is fine and no one goes there. (laughs) Right. So maybe it's just a culture thing. Um, What culture? Jamaicans don't dance? (laughs) No, I mean the culture of the resort. So. It's just not part of the rhythm of the day that everyone goes to the disco at Hedonism, whereas at Desire, it is. So you have dinner, and then you watch the show, and then you go upstairs to the disco, which is immediately above where the show takes place. So it's just part of the, the rhythm. Everybody goes together um, to the through these different stages of the night, and um, everybody ends up at the disco at Desire. And it's small, and it's hot. And the music is just as shitty there as it is everywhere else we've ever been for lifestyle uh, DJs. Um, The quality is very low. But people seem to participate more desire than they do at Hedonism. And it's not 100% clear why. 
Okay, so when it comes to the disco, we're giving that point overwhelmingly to Desire because Hedo has no disco game. So the last category is guests. Ah, the all-important people element. Yeah, like who is attracted to each location? So you've already said if diversity is important to you, Hedo is the place to go. You're going to see more different kinds of people there. Yeah, and it, it is important to me, not for any sort of fetishization, just because I like to see the world reflected in all the spaces I occupy. Um, so yes, Hedo definitely wins in that category. But because Hedo is an older resort, I think that's part of the reason, you frequently get an older crowd. So you get people who have been coming to hedonism for 30 years and you know now they're 80 years old and they're still coming and that's awesome. I love that for them, but... The crowd does tend to skew toward older, slightly less attractive right. people so, at hedonism. So we should declare right now, Kate is 45 years old <laughs> and Liam is 60 years old. So I think and what I hear Kate youngest couple. <laughs> I think what I hear Kate saying is she wants to see more people like her and less people like me. No, Liam, you are one of the younger, more attractive people in the nude pool at Hedo on some of our trips. <laughs> okay. You know what, audience, I'm going to let her off with that because I know that there was almost not a word of truth in that sentence. No, it's totally true. But of course, these things differ week to week, right? So you'll have different groups doing takeovers. Yes, that's so true. So Hedonism hosts Young Swingers Week. So you're probably going to get more young swingers yeah. on Young Swingers Week. So although just I, look at the calendar. Yeah, although I remember the time someone said, hey, you guys should come here for Young Swingers Week. And I said, I'm 60. Like, do words even mean anything anymore? <laughs> Clearly not. They wanted you to come. Yeah, but so you're I hot, guess. Baby. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe it was some kind of a compliment, but I'm an English major. Words mean something to me. <laughs> so, yes. And at Desire, you tend to have a slightly younger, slightly fitter crowd. And again, it's hard to know exactly why that is. Um, in the past, I might have, again, blamed elitism because hedonism has traditionally been cheaper than Desire, although hedonism's prices have risen and they're almost equal now. But in the past, you'll have you know, people who have a little more money to spend coming to Desire. And those people tend to be the ones who pay a little more attention to their bodies and, um, you know, work a little harder to stay <laughs> fit and hot. Okay, I can see you're very uncomfortable. Now. I know, this is so hard to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, there is, in the end, a gut feeling. And the gut feeling has to do with where am I going to see more people who I'm attracted to? And what I'm hearing from you, loud and clear is that that place is desire. Yeah. And while we're talking about guests, an important thing to address is the fact that hedonism allows single men and desire is a couple's only resort. And up until recently, it was a heterosexual couple's only resort. Um, but thanks to the work of our friends, Tori and Soul and some other people who had a, you know, a reaction to this. Um, now desire is allowing gay and lesbian couples. That's um, great. Yes. And hedonism has always allowed gay and lesbian couples to their credit. So a lot of people are worried about the presence of single men and that's justifiable. We've definitely had a couple times where there were single guys in the hot tub at hedonism. They were kind of slowly creeping in closer and closer in a, you know, a way that wasn't very appealing for sure. 
But I, I would say that our encounters with single men have been largely positive. Mm -hmm. So they really understand where they stand in the pecking order, right? Yes, the best ones do, for sure. Yeah, they know that they have to appeal to a couple in order to get any action. So most of them have been really charming, very low pressure, and we actually had a fun encounter with one of them one time. Yeah. And um, this is where you'll get sometimes locals coming in for the weekend just to see if they can get some action. Um, so if that's your thing, you've got the single guy option at Hedonism. If it works for you, it's a bonus. If you're worried about it, I would say don't worry. It's There are very few single men there to begin with. And the ones who are there tend to be really respectful. Right. So we've now looked at 10 categories. And for those of you who were keeping score at home, the score was Hedo 6, Desire 4. So Hedo 1 in the categories of weather, service, property, beach, playrooms, and entertainment, whereas Desire 1 in terms of food, pools and hot tubs, the disco, and the desirability of the guests. So, so the question is, if we could take a trip tomorrow and it was going to be your last lifestyle vacation. Before I die. Yes, before you <laughs> die, later in the summer. Um, I hope that doesn't come true now. Can you imagine <laughs> we put out this podcast and then you actually get a terminal illness and I'm on record. Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen, sweetie. You look so healthy and lovely. Um, where would you go for that trip? This is hard, but honestly, I think I lean toward desire. Because really, even though each of those categories is important and it's part of your experience, the most important category is the guests because that's what you're on a lifestyle vacation for, to meet people. So I think I would go to whatever place had the people that I wanted to interact with most. Okay. And I'm not even going to comment on the fact that you're talking about physical desirability as opposed to the personality types, which I think you'd have to say are equal at both places. But for those of us who are looking around and making judgments, I get it. It's important. But you are not going to lose at either one of these resorts. No, that's They're true. They're both fantastic places to hang out, be warm, have fun, have sex. So and take the, your pick. Yeah. And the most important thing is what that environment does for you as a couple. So this is the thing that we've found that isn't often appreciated. It's not about who you can hook up with and who you can connect with. It's about what being in that sexually charged environment all day, day after day, will do to your connection as a couple. And I'm telling you, it's like rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah. And that brings us back to the thing I said at the beginning, which is if you're trying to get into the lifestyle or if you really want to and your partner's reluctant... Offering them a trip to Mexico or a trip to Jamaica is rarely going to be unwelcome. And when you go to one of these places, you can have all of the things you would have on a regular vacation. So you've got good drinks and great food and warmth and sunshine in the ocean and conversations. And then you can decide what you want to do next. Right. So if you want to have sex on one of the day beds beside the hot tub, you can do that. And that could be the most erotic thing you've ever experienced as a monogamous vanilla couple. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to experiment with touching someone else or um, seeing your wife wear lingerie at the disco and dancing with another man, you can have that experience there. So you can kind of make your own adventure 
at a lifestyle resort. And it's a great way to dip your toes into the lifestyle if you're a little nervous. Right. But as you mentioned earlier, it does cost. It's fairly expensive. So in the next segment, we're going to talk about alternatives to the wonderful but expensive lifestyle vacation at a top-end resort like Hedonism or Desire Pearl or Desire RM. Usually at this point in our podcast, we talk about where we're going to be, where you can actually connect with us in person, but we'll be talking about that in some detail in the next segment. So to keep this brief, we're going to skip ahead to the ways in which you can connect with us beyond the podcast you're listening to. First, you can find us on Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash Kate underscore A-N-D underscore Liam. Patreon is a place where people can support us financially. Yeah, it's a little bit like a a naughty Facebook. So you can follow us on our adventures, get some pics, get some behind the scenes info. And it's only $6 a month. Yes. Another place you can connect with us is Twitter. So we now have three accounts on Twitter. How did that happen? It's insane. Um, Our first one is our joint account at monogamish1. That's where we post links for our newest podcasts and blog posts, if there's ever another blog post. And uh, (laughs) we also have individual accounts. So mine is at kmonogamish. And mine is at Landon underscore Liam. So why do we have all these separate Twitter accounts, Liam? Well, because we're control freaks and the joint account was driving us crazy. We (laughs) just thought, I wouldn't do that. And you would say, well, I wouldn't do that. So we ended up retreating to our own corners, but we still keep the main account going. That's true. We are control freaks. But the real reason we started our individual Twitter accounts was because we have also started individual OnlyFans accounts, and we needed somewhere to advertise that. Oh, that's right. Patreon didn't like that we were posting pictures and videos that involved some kind of sexual content, so we decided we are going to take our business elsewhere, and we each started our own OnlyFans account. So we can be as naughty as we want over there. So my OnlyFans account is... Kate Monogamish. So if you just go to OnlyFans and search at Kate Monogamish, no caps, no underscores, uh, you'll be able to find me. And if you search for at Liam underscore Landon, you will find me. There you go. That's all the deets. Yeah. I mean, we have Instagram accounts too, but it's just too much. We've probably overwhelmed people with ways to get in touch with us at this point. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed myself. Okay. So let's get back to the podcast then. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we spent a lot of time talking about how desire in Mexico compares with Hido in Jamaica. But, you know, it's not like they're the only two resorts in the world. And we've had experience with other places, too. And we want to just quickly mention them here. The first is Cap Dag in the south of France. So you I believe might... it's pronounced Cap Dog. What? Yeah. No, my French is better than your French. <laughs> I'm going with Cap Dag. Okay. So it is a place that you have probably heard of, the nudist village where you can literally go to the grocery store and shop naked and do all kinds of things naked that you would never consider possible in our North American context. So we went there a few years ago and we had a great time, but we found it puzzling. 
it was a little tricky to navigate because unlike hedonism or desire where it's one resort, this is actually a whole bunch of resorts in a village. So the hotel you stay at really makes a big difference in terms of your experience. So different hotels have different parties and clubs on site that you get entrance to if you are staying in that hotel. But if you're not staying there, you're not going to see it. You're not just going to walk by and see these clubs and pool parties happening. You'll have to be invited in. Yeah, Capdag is kind of overwhelming in that it is, as Kate mentioned, kind of a number of resorts merged in together. So you've got multiple hotels, you have multiple sex clubs, like there must be a dozen sex clubs on site. And it's probably worth mentioning how this is set up. Cap Dagged itself is a resort town that ordinary French people go to on their summer vacations. So it is a regular town with a beautiful waterfront. In fact, it's the place I propose to you. It is. Now that I think about it. It has that traditional vacation resort destination element to it. And then it has what they refer to as the naturist village. That is a place that you can access by passing through a guardhouse and going through certain security checks. But once you're in, then that whole world of what they call naturism opens up to you. And that includes a heavy dose of swinger culture. Unfortunately, it also includes nudist families. Right. So the thing that was a real drawback for us was walking down the beach, there were areas that were kind of designated for different groups of people. Mm -hmm. And you had to walk through the family area where you saw like 15-year-old naked boys playing Frisbee with their naked moms and 10-year-old naked girls making sandcastles, which all felt a tiny bit creepy to me. But the thing that really made it creepy was you went to the next section, which was only separated by like a plastic snow fence. And you've got the swinger area where people are getting blowjobs and there are threesomes happening. And it just felt yeah. like a bit of a mindfuck to me. Yeah, worlds were definitely colliding for In us, especially, uncomfortable way. <laughs> especially as North Americans who don't grow up with such a casual approach to nudity that you would consider it as a family thing. Yeah, I remember one night we were having dinner at a restaurant and we were sitting outside and there was a family at the table beside us with two fairly young kids, Mm -hmm. maybe like eight and 10. And every night they have a fetish parade. And so the parade went by with pretty serious fetish stuff like ball gags and full latex face masks and chains and whips and and exposed breasts and, and expose all kinds of things yeah. and it just went parading by these kids and i felt like oh my god this is so weird right we we're not going to do a full review of the cap dag experience one thing i would say is that we have friends who absolutely love it like that is their definition of heaven on earth i guess our recommendation would be If you're considering going there, don't wander in like we did with no guidance. Do your research. Talk to people you know who have been there. Get a feel for the lay of the land. Next time, we would definitely talk to someone who knows, be here at this time and be there at that time. Avoid this club and get in line early for that club Mm -hmm. so that we really understood what we were getting. Because I think if we did, we would have had an experience as good as the people we know who have enjoyed it so much. Right. And Kate from Wanderlust Swingers did an excellent podcast about Capdag. So Mm. if you go look up uh, Wanderlust Swingers, she went with a group. And if you go with a group, then you do the events with the group and you're, you know, it's a more structured time. So she strongly advises doing that your first time there. Right. 
Another place that we've become aware of just lately is St. Martin or St. Martin in the Caribbean. And it is an island that has many, many nude beaches, none of which are designated as lifestyle or swinger or non-monogamy spaces, but where people who are interested in those things can find each other pretty easily. So it's lower key. It's not like you're going to a resort with an intense schedule and pounding music. It's more residential in its feel. The typical way is for someone to rent an Airbnb while they're there and spend an extended time, but a fantastic place that we are planning to explore next winter. And it's a cheaper option because our friends went for two months and I think the house they rented was only $3,000 a month. Yeah, that's because they knew who to talk to. Yeah, but that'll hardly get you a week at Desire. So um, if you want to go for an extended period and have a more leisurely time where you get to explore the villages and the beaches, um, it might be a good place to go. And they found a lot of swinger action there. Yeah, no, we, we definitely know who to talk to. Next winter, baby. Yeah, I can't wait. So that's kind of finished up the topic of vacation resorts, but there are options, things that you can participate in that are different than those. And they tend to be under that category of hotel takeovers. Right. There are lots of different takeovers hosted by different groups at different locations. Each of them offers different things to different groups of people. So the first one we are involved in is PCAP or Podcastapalooza, where podcasters from all walks of the lifestyle are brought together and they provide seminars so that you can come and you know, get their insights and have interesting discussions, but also have the fun of poolside parties and nightly themed parties and playrooms and all of that fun, sexy stuff. Right. It is hosted by the aforementioned Kate from Wanderlust Swingers. And the level of attention to detail she goes to is mind-boggling. Her deepest desire clearly is to create an event where Every aspect is about helping you learn more, develop as a person, and most importantly, connect with other like-minded people. Yeah, and we have been involved in all three of the previous PCAP experiences. So we were there for the very first one in 2018 in New York, and then um, in 2021 in Miami, and then uh, in Dallas this past November. So the upcoming one in Palm Springs still has some spots available. It's a four-day takeover. The cost is around $1,700 for a standard king room, so it's an affordable option, and it's in the States. You don't even have to leave America if if that's where you're from. Um, So it's a great option, and we have met so many people who are new to the lifestyle who say that PCAP was a place where they were able to become more confident, uh, to make more connections than they've ever been able to make before. Well, look at us. Like last year, we went into Miami in May of 2021, met five couples, brand new. We'd never met them before. And eight months later, we had them all from different parts of North America at our home for a New Year's Eve party. So I just mentioned that to say that the quality of connections Mm -hmm. you can make at one of these Podcast Apalooza events is mind-boggling. And that's because for us, we were connecting with people who had a similar approach to the lifestyle. So it's not like our approach is the only approach, but if you're listening to our podcast, that probably resonates with you. 
Yeah. So they were all social, sapiosexual kind of swingers who um, who were very thoughtful and really interested in having deep conversations. And we have found with every different PCAP we've gone to, we've made really deep, really quality connections with excellent people. Right. So if this appeals to you, as I said, it is not yet sold out. So if you would like to join us in Palm Springs, California, we will be there for PCAP 2022 color pop um, from June 3rd to 6th. And we would love to meet you there. The next event that we're participating in is called Room 77's Summer Bang 2022 and is being held in Antigua. And it is the follow-up to the original Antigua event, which was held last summer, which was simply stunning. Yeah, the resort that they hold it at just cannot be beat. So they do a full takeover of this resort in Antigua that's a five-star luxury accommodation. We could not afford to go here uh, during regular circumstances, but they have discounted prices because of the full takeover. So if you go for five nights, it starts at $3,400. And if you choose seven nights, it's $4,600. And the accommodation and the grounds and the beach and the restaurants, they're just fantastic. And again, Richard and Lauren, who put on the event and their partner, Kat, do an amazing job of looking after every detail. And I can say last year was the first one you'd think, oh, well, there would be some growing pains. And there were like no visible growing pains. It was just a well thought out, perfectly executed lifestyle event. And again, it's a little longer. So if you say, hey, I have three days to get away, PCAP ColourPop in Palm Springs, what a fantastic way to spend your three days. If you say, I've got more time, so as Kate mentioned, I've got five days or even seven days, then you can't beat Summer Bang 2022. And the value for money is outstanding. Like for the amount of money you would pay to go to Hito or Desire, you can go to this much, much nicer resort. And they have the added benefit of having a private island just off the oh, yeah. off the beach. So it's maybe a five or seven minute boat ride over to this island. They'll take you anytime you want to go over. They have a, a sunset beach party one night and it's a gorgeous pristine beach for taking photos and just enjoying like unspoiled nature. It's amazing. I also did a very cool stingray tour for super cheap. Like you would have paid $150 for this in Mexico, but I went for 40 bucks. They took me out into the middle of a bay. We got out in a sandbar and enormous, like five foot across stingrays came and swarmed us. And I thought that was amazing. And um, so these kinds of experiences are just not available at Hito or Desire. And I want to add just another autobiographical tidbit, and that is that, yes, you met your girlfriend, April, at PCAP last year, but the relationship was solidified at Antigua 2021. Right. So we have both events to thank for this current state of bliss. Yeah. And <laughs> really, the, the thing that made it possible was spending extended time mm-hmm. with people so that you could observe them in other situations and say, oh, that person has an energy that appeals to me. I'm going to make a point to talk to them. And ultimately, that's eventually what you did in Antigua. We mm-hmm. sat down and had a lunch that was life-changing right. with Scott and April. And had we just tried to meet them at a club, 
We oh, probably wouldn't have talked. They'd be way never. too intimidating for us. <laughs> that would never have happened. <laughs> right. So if Antigua appeals to you, the dates are July 29th to August 5th. So we will have links in our show notes. We also need to emphasize that there are other great ones out there. So one in particular comes to mind, Ray and D of Club Euphoria put on amazing events. We went to one of their foam parties just before the pandemic that was outstanding. Like so many great memories were made there and we're looking forward to going back again. And there are others besides these ones we've mentioned, but keep an eye out for them. They are really fantastic ways to connect with other people over a longer period than is available if you just go to a club. These events are fantastic, but it's important to point out that there are so many other options, some of which we've tried ourselves. So the first is you can actually host a multi-day get-together in your own home. It's actually a great creative opportunity to say, how would I program our time together? Who would I handpick as the guests to be here? So we've had small groups come over to our home for several days and had a really wonderful time. And the expense was almost nothing because we live there anyway and we have to eat anyway. And we were able to program excursions as part of our time together. So this is really worth looking at. Depending on how much space, maybe you only have room for one other couple. Maybe you have room for two or three other couples. But you can make your own lifestyle vacation destination in your own home. And if your home isn't well suited to that, you could rent a cottage. Airbnb and Verbo and these kinds of short-term home rental places offer all kinds of options for you. So we did one where we did a cottage getaway in the winter and we did a winter hike and there was a hot tub and um, it was a lovely, cozy little getaway. Um, we did another one in the summer in uh, wine country and both times there were four couples and it wasn't too tricky to find homes that had four bedrooms and two bathrooms. And um, when you share the cost of rental, it's fairly reasonable. Right. And the way we structured it was that each couple had to prepare one meal for the weekend. Um, and so everyone got to share the cost and the time of preparing that meal. And another fun thing we did with the um, wine country getaway was each night, the couple was responsible for some sort of theme. So if it was your night to make dinner, you got to decide what the theme was. So one of our friends um, from Italy, she made homemade pizzas. And then because um, her partner is a salsa teacher, they did a salsa dance class. So each night there was a different theme. And um, one of our friends led naked yoga. And it was just a, a great way to kind of like schedule your own adventure yeah. And we did excursions. We did a winery tour and we did a waterfront visit mm -hmm. and hike. And I have to tell you, like at the cost, I think was a hundred dollars a night. Like we couldn't have got a hotel for that, but we got a five bedroom Airbnb. So there was a bedroom for each of the four couples, plus another that was a playroom. And by the time we added up the cost and divided, it was $400 a night, roughly. And we all just paid a hundred dollars a night. So it was inexpensive. And we had a wonderful lifestyle getaway. 
And because it was close to home and we could drive, we brought our massage table and our oh, spanking yeah. bench and really set up a pretty primo、um, play space there. Right. And everyone pooled their toys and floggers and all those other kinds of implements. Another option we've tried is the destination meetup. So we had a friend's wedding to attend in Italy. And it was a wonderful excuse for 20 different couples from North America to kind of create their own vacation around this destination wedding. And so some of us came in through Amsterdam, some through Venice, some through Rome. And then we had kind of separate vacations to begin with. And then we all met up at this central location in southern Italy. And we spent three days together where we were able to attend a club. A few people went together and rented a big Airbnb where we had a mansion orgy.、Mm -hmm. um, and then we all split up and went our separate ways and finished our vacations on our own. Yeah. So, one of the things we're planning to do, I guess it's not going to fit in this summer because we're so busy, maybe next summer, is there are parts of Europe we haven't visited that we're really looking forward to visiting. And one of those cities is Prague. So, our plan, at least as it exists right now, is to say we're going to be in Prague. On these dates. If you want to arrange your own Europe vacation, but say you're going to be in Prague on these three dates, we can all come together. So that destination meetup is a very adaptable tool. And you don't have to do it in Europe. You can do it in any parts of the United States or Canada. Just say, I'm going to be here at a specific time. And once you know who will be meeting with you, just arrange the accommodations to suit the number of people who are going to be meeting up. So, the thing about these do it yourself kind of、uh, lifestyle vacations is that you have to have an existing group of friends.、Mm -hmm. So, people that you know that you can spend a few days with and not want to kill each other.、Right. Um, so, if you have that kind of crew that you have gotten to know over the years, great. This will probably suit you because you've got the freedom to determine your own schedule and your own cost. But if you haven't yet developed that community, one of the other options, going to Hito or Desire or one of the takeovers, you are guaranteed to meet people.、Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I always say is if you're going to a vanilla resort, the odds are slim that you're going to actually make a quality connection because people are there and they're kind of insular. But at a lifestyle resort or takeover, everyone is there to meet other people. Right. So people are much more social. They're much more approachable. And one of our tactics is to never eat alone when、right. we're at a place like this. So we try to, at least for you know, lunch and dinner, I'm not always awake at breakfast.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> we try to always ask someone to join us, or you know, in the case of a place like Desire or Hedonism, just approach a table if there are a couple of empty chairs and say, hey, can we join you? And we've never been told no.、Right. Maybe that's just because people are polite. But、um, we almost always have wonderful conversations and connections at places like this. Yeah, they're a great way to build up your network. And, you know, people think that the lifestyle and lifestyle vacations are all about sex, but I would say they're really all about connection. And sex is definitely on the table, but it's not an obligation. So, the overall message here is no matter what your budget or your timeline, Or your interest, there is a lifestyle vacation for you. There are resorts that you can choose from where it's just an easy drop your money and drop your bags, or there are lifestyle takeovers where you have different focuses and different groups of people who are drawn in. And finally, there are do it yourself options where you can set your own budget and design your own guest list and your own itinerary and just 
do whatever the hell you want to do. Right. I think the thing we want to leave you with is that if perhaps you've been trying dating as a strategy for connecting with people in the lifestyle and you've been disappointed, there are other options out there. And hopefully this has served as an introduction to those. And I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you, Liam. for providing this life where we can go on all these adventures and experience all of these different kinds of lifestyle vacations because without you none of this is possible well i feel the same way about you because this has been a real couples adventure for us you're my wing person i guess and hopefully i'm the same for you you definitely are i love you babe i love you too As always, we would love to hear from you. The best way to get in touch with us is to email us at themonogamishmarriage at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, themonogamishmarriage.com, or our Twitter account, at monogamish1, where we're active daily. Thanks for being with us. See you next time.